Well, I want to share something today. I've had burning on my heart just for about a week now. And uh, it's, uh, I want to just inspire us to step up. How many know that faith without something working out and happening in your life isn't real faith at all? Just a heap of religion. Devils believe in Jesus, but they don't do anything about it. And so they go to hell. And so believing about Jesus is not really where it's all at. It's actually a living faith that converts to the way we think and talk and what we do. And uh, I want to share with you a message today to help you to just make a decision on the inside. You're not going to stay in life where you are. That none of us are going to stay where we are. So if you stay where you are, you stagnate, you lose life, you go backwards. None of us are going to stay where we are. In other words, six months' time, we will all be different and all be better. Same so not many are going to do that, eh? I'll say it again. You've got to make a decision today. That no matter where you are, you're going to change. If you're on a course of change, you're on a course of growing. If you're not changing, you stopped and are going backwards. There's nothing about, there's nothing in the Bible about remaining stationary. It's always about walking with God. Be still does not mean stop. It means have a hard attitude of rest. I want to just share with you uh, something, a, a story, a great story. I love the story. It's just been really, really uh, challenging me. First I do, I want to read a, a verse out of Psalm 107. And it, said, uh, <clears throat> it says, uh, verse, uh, Psalm 107 and verse 9. Well, haven't even got the right verse. How about that? Well, I don't know. <laughs> That's a great way to start, isn't it, eh? Anyway, I won't worry. We'll just go straight to the passage where we want to be. <laughs> I've written it down wrong. Anyway, glory to God. So let's go and do Mark, Mark chapter 10, which is where I really want to go. But the Bible equates blindness with bringing a prison. Blindness, it equates it in Psalm 107 or thereabouts with being in a prison. <laughs> it said, it said, it, it talked about being blind and it says they sat in prisons of darkness. And I want to read a story about a man who broke out of the prison of darkness. And this is for every one of us, to break out of parts of our life to come into the things that God has. You can't stay where you are to walk fully into the vision God has for you. And so in Mark chapter 10, there's a story. We'll read it in verse 46. And now they came to Jericho. And as they came to Jericho, as they went out of Jericho, Jesus on his way to Jerusalem, to the great feast of Passover. And so there's a great multitude all doing the same thing. The setting for this is it's just about the end of Jesus' ministry. And so he's on his way from Jericho to Jerusalem to the feast of Passover. There are literally crowds and crowds of people who are all moving that way with him. He's at, this is the last miracle apart from putting the, the air back on the man that is recorded. So it's, a, it's a miracle about vision, about vision being restored, hope being restored. But I want you to see not just what Jesus did, because Jesus always does things. I want you to understand what the man did to position himself for that to happen. And most of the time we, we can very easily get into a fuzzy-wuzzy thing about the supernatural and God doing things. And God does great things because he's a good God. But what we need to learn is how to position ourselves in life and attitudes and thinking that it might we might participate in that and experience that. 
Okay, so let's read, carry on on the story. And it said, there was a great multitude, and there's one man, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, and he sat by the road begging. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And then he warned him, be quiet. But he cried out even more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And so they called the blind man, saying, hey, hey, be of good cheer, hey, Fantastic. Look, rise up. He's calling your name. He's calling for you. And he, throwing aside his garment, rose and came to Jesus. Jesus answered and said to him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Rabbi, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately, immediately that Jesus spoke those words, his sight was restored. Notice what it says now. He followed Jesus in the way. A man starts off on the side of the road going nowhere and ends up purposeful with vision following Jesus going somewhere into a destiny and into a purpose. And so we want to have a look into the story just a little bit and I want to just share a few things related to this. Let's pick it up here. It says, it says Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the roadside <coughs> begging. Now, the Bible tells of many people who encountered God, many people who had experience. It calls them a crowd, a multitude. It says he, she, or a certain woman, a certain man. So when the Bible identifies the name, you have to realize the Holy Spirit has recorded in the Bible the name of this man. And so 2,000 years later, millions upon millions of people have read about this man, his name. So if God takes time to record the name of a certain person, it's because there's a significance around what he's doing and there's a significance around the man himself. If they just wanted to talk or highlight about getting vision, it would have just talked about a man being healed. In this particular story, it identifies a particular man. It could be you and your name could be on that. And it Almost does it double up on it, on it. Now, in those days, many people were blind. Blindness was a significant problem. And uh, there was a particular problem they would have where the, the, uh, the water ducts in the eyes would dry up. They'd become infected and dry up, and then the eyes would dry. Now, you imagine what's like in a hot, dry climate, very, very hot temperature, and, you're, and you've got no water in your eyes. There's nothing to soothe your eyes, and so the eyes and the eyelids would swell up, and the person would eventually lose their sight and become blind. And it was a very contagious disease that was spread by flies. And so when people were blind, they were despised, they were considered contaminated, and people kept their distance from them. So we have a man who has no vision, no sense of purpose for his life, no sense of direction for his life. The Bible says without vision, without a clear seeing prophetically where God is taking us or taking our life, our marriage, our family, then we miss all the opportunities that would present itself for us to advance and go forward. Many people live like this. To be blind means to be sitting in a world of darkness. You can imagine what it's like if you close your eyes and the world around you full of color and life and light goes. You can't see what a beautiful woman looks like. You can't see what flowers look like. You can't see what a scenery looks like. 
You can't see ahead of yourself. You can't see the obstacles. You can't see where you're going. You have no sense of direction. You're actually at the mercy of circumstances and dependent on other people. And so to be blind meant to have physically, it meant several things, but firstly, a person who was blind had no physical vision, so therefore their whole world was enveloped in a cloud of darkness. To be blind was a, also a spiritual condition where a person has no spiritual vision, spiritual sight, no sense of what God is doing or how God is moving, unable to see. To be blind meant to have no direction in life. This is where the majority of Christian people live. Without vision and purpose, without a strong, focused sense of direction. When you're like that, you go round in circles, or you sit dependent on other people. If you have no vision about who you are, who God has created to be, and what He's called you to do, you will try and find that from someone else. And you'll enter into relationships which are dependent. You need the approval of others. Why? Because you haven't got clarity about what God called you to do. So now you depend on the crowd and run with the crowd. And if the crowd rejects you, you're in pain. and You want more of the approval that people can give. Listen, that is spiritual blindness. God wants us to see. He wants us to come out of a realm of darkness spiritually and to open our eyes to spiritual realities and to His destiny on our life. And if you have vision in your life, not only is it on the inside, it's also in the definition of who you are and where you're going. So this miracle is incredibly significant because Jesus came in to break the power of darkness and bring people out of darkness, the darkness of sin and the bondage of demons, and bring us into a life that's full of God's perspective. The difference between a person who's spiritually blind and spiritually sees is profound. A person spiritually blind cannot see the realities of God, cannot see their divine and eternal destiny. They are locked in by spiritual powers. The Bible calls Satan as the ruler of that power of darkness. So spiritual powers blind people. You can walk down the street and talk and share the gospel and find a sense of blindness is around the hearts of many people. It's a terrible thing. They don't know that they're one step closer, one second, one, one minute closer to an eternal destiny outside of Christ, an eternal destiny of torment. They can't see it. They're blind. And they need someone to bring them out of that place of darkness. We are called... Once God has opened our eyes to begin to get God's vision and purpose for our life and begin to live a life that is focused and has the kingdom of God and it's advanced central to what we're living and doing. God is awakening the church in the West to its responsibility to gain vision and to engage the community and begin to bring it out of darkness. Our schools are in darkness our medical situations in darkness, the governmental situations in darkness, media areas are in darkness. Darkness abounds, but you are the light. You're the light of the earth, the light of the city. We must shine, we must take on the responsibility of seeing 
our assignment. You have an assignment from God. And your assignment from God is far more than just spending time in prayer and enjoying worship, enjoying wonderful meetings and the presence of God and having encounters or experiences with God. It must come down to people and changing people's lives. This is what the gospel is about. Listen, if it was all about heavenly experiences, Jesus would have stayed there. He was having a great one. The gospel is about bringing heaven to earth to ordinary broken people and helping them and changing their lives. And God does not going to do it. You will do it. You will do it by getting vision and partnering with God and seeing what is around me can be changed by this powerful God I serve. If He opened my eyes, He can open the eyes of people around me. Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. The main thing is literally son of the unclean one. So interesting, it says Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus. In other words, it's double banging the name. It's saying, it's pointing out real clear. This guy, Bartimaeus, son of the unclean man, was son of the unclean man. Twice it says it. Why? Because it's drawing our attention. His background, his family, his past, where he came from, where he originated, was full of pollution, defilement, uncleanness. But it didn't stop him being drawn out of that into an eternal destiny. See, it's not where you come from that counts where you're going. It's not what happened to you. It's what you're doing about it and what vision you have for change. It's not where you've been or what you've experienced. Say you've experienced tough times. Great. That's why God comes to help us, give us grace to go through tough times. You see, to fulfill the vision of God, you must experience tough times. How can you ever develop the character of Christ unless you have something to press against you, to challenge you to grow? In fact, for some, the very problems you're facing now, the very things producing frustration in your life are the very things God is using to change you so you rise up and conquer it instead of quitting. Let's just go and have a look at this man. There he is by the roadside begging, place of dependency upon people. Now, you notice it says he heard of Jesus. So your past doesn't determine your future. What you believe, what you see in your heart is what determines your future. What are you seeing? I very much enjoyed Pastor Yongi Cho when he was speaking in Singapore. He said, the the world we live in is a three-dimensional world. But there is another dimension, the realm of the Spirit, a fourth dimension. And this three-dimensional world was created from the spirit realm, from that fourth dimension. So if I'm going to shape this world, I have to get into the realm of the spirit, into the realm of imagination, of dreams, of visions, uh, of seeing what could be, of seeing the possibilities in my life, the possibilities around me, the possibilities of what could be changed. See, everything starts with vision, with a dream. So... This is a time when God, I believe, is going to begin to cause us to break into fresh vision in our personal lives, fresh vision individually and corporately. He's waiting to do it. But I want you to see how this man moved from the place of darkness to the place of seeing. And then I want you to see what there is you need to do, likewise, to shift into a place of seeing. So, you notice there, he heard. He heard about Jesus. 
what what kinds of things he heard. He said he heard about Jesus, and when he heard Jesus was coming, he began to cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. That's the first time anyone identified Jesus as the Son of David. To, To be named the Son of David meant he was the Messiah. So what this man is saying is, This Jesus that's coming along is the Messiah that's been promised for all these thousands of years. This Jesus that's coming along is the Son of God. This Jesus came to bring redemption. He believed in his heart in who Jesus was. He must have heard that no one who came to Jesus got turned down. And he believed it in his heart that he would not be turned down. He must have believed that Jesus had power to heal every situation. And he said, he will heal my situation. He must have heard that Jesus had touched multitudes and shown generosity of God. And he said, today's my day. It says he heard. And you know, because he was able to say, the son of David, you know about this man. He had personal faith that Jesus Christ could change him. There was faith in his heart. There was a dream about his future. And I don't think he just heard it on that day. I think he'd been hearing for a while about Jesus, hearing about Jesus, and he's sitting there in the dark. And as he's sitting in the dark, a dream is growing that his life could be different. His life could change. If I can just get near this Jesus, my life can change. My eyes, I want to be able to see what others can see. I want to see people. I want to see and see what happens dream was growing, a hope in his heart, his future would be different. I think he must have thought about that for a long time, hoping, dreaming of a different future. And then his moment came. You see, we all love the moment. But what comes before the moment of breakthrough is the season of dreaming of what is possible, of thinking about what could be in the future. In other words, Before Jesus came along and he got his physical sight, he was already seeing on the inside. In fact, he could see what others couldn't see. The crowd couldn't see who Jesus was. They had no idea who he was. But this man who was blind could see. See, he had something in his heart, and it's called faith. He knew in his heart that this man could bring change to his life. And so faith was in. And in this picture, you're going to see what faith looks like. Most people don't understand faith. When we don't understand faith, we can become quite religious. We spiritualize things. And we actually disengage from our responsibility. Listen, when real living faith is in your heart, you become engaged in doing certain things. In other words, faith can be seen. Jesus saw his faith. Well, faith can be seen. How can it be seen? Well, it's seen by how people handle their life. It's seen by what you do. It's seen by your countenance. It's seen by the kind of ways you talk. Faith is seen. It's visible. So is defeat. And so is religiosity. Being religious is seen. Okay? But faith is seen. It's different. It stands out. As we'll see in a moment, it does things that others don't do. And others actually resist. So, He's blind, but he could see something others couldn't see. He said, well, I know that I'm sitting by the roadside begging, and i got a dream in my heart about my future. 
Yes, my finances are low right now, but I've got a dream about a different future where I see the blessing of God coming. Oh, I've got some troubles in my life right now. People spit on me and put me down, but I've got a dream about my future being different. And I know as I anchor in on Jesus, my life is going to change. My life is going to be different. And then there's a crowd and there's a noise. And I guess he's just sitting there one day and he's got his hand out begging because, see, when you have no vision, you will turn to people to be your source. When you have no confidence about who you are and what you're called to do, you'll lean on people to come through for you. You'll want someone to pray for you instead of learning how to pray. You'll want someone to minister to you instead of dealing with your life issues. You'll want an altar call instead of a process. You'll want help instead of actually learning something that can change your life and get you to stand up. Remain dependent. And this is where much of our nation and much of the church in the nation is at. It's in what I call the mentality of a victim, almost depending and waiting on God to do something. And so we say we're praying for revival. That's wonderful. But what are you doing to revive any person around you? Think about that. See, it always comes down to action if there's living faith. I think it's great to pray for revival, but then the moment you leave that prayer room, now I've got some people I'm working on, and I've got some goals in prayer. I've got some people I'm ringing up, someone I'm connecting with, someone I'm engaging with, someone I'm working with. I've got people that I'm helping and blessing. They're going to come to Christ. I've got a dream in my heart they'll come to Christ. You see, a dream for revival without someone you're praying for or working with to bring to Christ is empty. It's really empty. And you'll notice it doesn't get much results. If you might, just have a think about that one. So, Jesus comes. Now, here he is. He's sitting. He got a dream in his heart. And now, his moment comes. He's in the presence of the living God. He hears the crowd. What's that? What's, what's that? What's going on? What's that? Tell me. Tell me. What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And, and of course, he begins to reach out to the crowd. And, well, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And they're saying, oh, Jesus is coming. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus come. This is my moment. See? This is my moment. He cries out, Jesus, son. He don't know where he is. Just here's the crowd. You're in a crowd. You can't hear anything. There's so much noise. You've got no sense of direction. You don't know where he is. All he knows is, this is my moment that I've been dreaming of. And so his faith expresses, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Begins to cry out. One of the first evidences of a faith is there's a strong cry. It's not quiet. It's strong. It is powerful. It reaches above the noise of a crowd. It reaches to heaven. Stops the Lord right in his tracks. He began to cry out. Cried out. Now look what the many did. The many warned him. Now I, I looked that word up. This is what that means. It means they found fault. They told him to stop. They tried to limit him and tried to restrict him. And that's what the many do. There's many people around you, many people in your life that will stop the work of God taking place, that will stop you trying to go forward, that will find fault in your giving, fault in your generosity, fault with this, fault with that. They'll always find fault. That's what the many do, and the many seldom experience the blessing of God. However, there are some who have faith in their heart. And the many rebuked him and said, Shut up. Be quiet. Stop that. Stop that. And he said, I have a dream in my heart. Martin Luther King stood up and the many shouted against him. But he had a dream. And now there's a black president. May have taken time. But now there's a black president. But it started with a dream. 
and he couldn't be shut up. The only way they could shut him up was to kill him. But even then, he became more famous. And his voice didn't shut up when he died. His voice just kept going on and on and on. And one of the most famous statements you've ever heard is, I have a dream. It's, it's inspired people ever since that time. So they didn't shut him up by shooting him. Remember reading in a, in a, in a, in a, in a I remember watching a movie one time and uh, it was a kind of an action movie sort of thing and there was one guy, cynical, in a governor, and he said, there's always some poor fool who thinks that one man can make a difference, and you've got to kill him to shut him up. <laughs> and he was talk- just talking about the whole thing of how one person can make a difference and creates a threat for everyone else. Because the moment you decide you're going somewhere, the moment you're determined you're going somewhere, those around you who are comfortable with you being where you are will react. Think about that. When you have a dream, well, who do you think you are? Do you think you're better than us? No, I'm not better than you. I'm just a person with a dream. How do you think you'll get out of that? Can you remember standing down there outside um, outside the, the little building we had with about a hundred people there in it? My father spoke to me. I would have loved it to have been encouraging, but it wasn't. He was in the many. I said, see this building. It will not hold us. It will be too small for us. And one day we'll have a much build, bigger building that will have hundreds of people in it. But he's one of the many. You've got to push past the many. You've got to push past the voice of the crowd. When you begin to talk about making a difference in the school, the many will say, who do you think you are? Mock you, belittle you, challenge you, but you need to have a dream that one man can make a difference. And if you combine with others with your dream, it can truly make a difference. And this man had a dream in his heart. And so notice what happened. These people around him, he's the one who's physically blind. He's the one crying out. The rest are blind. They can't see who Jesus is. They can't see this man's dream. They can't see anything. They just react. There's many things make people blind. I won't develop it, but let me throw a few things out that cause us not to be able to see the perspective on life God wants us to see. Let me just give you a few of them. They're all in the Bible. Here it is. Religion. Religion will blind you to the possibilities of God. It's easy to come to church, enjoy good meetings and good ministry, and never see what God wants to do through you and through us. Religion blinds people. I was blinded by religion for years. Thought I could see and I couldn't. Hatred blinds people. When you've got hate in your heart, you can't see clearly. You can't build great relationships. You can't build anything. Prejudice blinds us. When we've made our mind and judged something before we've even found out about it, what it does is it blinds us. One of the dilemmas for people as they get older is the tendency to become prejudiced. Passion is the sin of young men. Pride is those in about the 40 age group. Look what I've done. Those get older, prejudice, mindsets, and judgments. See, but you live in darkness when you have that. Having mindsets about things cause you to live in darkness. You need to dream of the possibilities that God could do in your life. If there's things inside you which are creating darkness, you need to get rid of them. Throw them off. 
Get rid of them. Pride will make you blind. When you're full of yourself and just projecting yourself, you can't see the gifts in others. You can't call them forth. You can't build anything great. God wants us to have a pure heart. Say, familiarity will blind you. Let me just say something. Jesus could do no great work in his own hometown because the people were familiar with him. One difficulty we have in a smaller community is this. You see people grow up. And you see their follies and mistakes and the weird and wonderful things that happen. It's very easy to form an opinion about a person. And they've moved on and changed, but you're still locked in your opinion. And your familiarity with them then shuts down the gift and the grace of God in their life to flow. One of the great things, that's why we're studying in the courses in the small groups right now on honor. Because honor calls the gifts and the possibilities and potentials out of people while also speaking the truth. But you see, dishonor, familiarity, you know what it does? Ah, who, who are they? Th- yeah. Oh, that's just so-and-so. And so we do it in lots of little ways. We do it in lots of little ways. Here's, here's one simple one. I've noticed that when I'm not here on a Sunday, I'm preaching somewhere else, sometimes some people decide they won't come that Sunday. Why is that? Well, what they're doing is their familiarity with the other person is shutting down that person being encouraged to come forth on their best. Well, I'm not here. Whoever's up there, you want to shout and yell and, and give them more response to give to me. To call out what's in them so they can come up to another level. Come on. Familiarity creates blindness. You can't see what the person could be if you just encourage them a little. See, get the idea? Okay, so the crowd was blind. But I love this. I love this. It says, you notice here, that he did not stop. See, people in the crowd don't like you being positive. You notice the crowd likes to discuss negatives. But you want to hang out around people who are positive. Show off the crowd. Ignore the crowd. Get some people around you who actually are positive and believe God could do something. And let them cheer you on. And so he cried out even more. Don't you love that? He cried out all the more. He refused to be intimidated. I'm not giving up my dream because you don't believe in it. It's my dream and I believe in it. I'm not quitting because you disagree. I'm not quitting for that. I'm not quitting because you've judged me. I'm not quitting because you've had your opinions. I'm not quitting. I have a dream. That's what he was like. And so when they said shut up, he did exactly the opposite. Came in a contrary spirit and he yelled even louder. Even louder. He would not be shut up. He would not be silenced. I don't know who's silencing you, but whoever it is, shout all the louder. Come on, let your dream find a voice. Jesus, Son of David, have mercy. I'm going for my dream. I'm going for my vision. I want to build this. I want to accomplish this. I want to achieve this with my life. You have to stand up inside before you'll see it on the outside. He stood up on the inside. That's what real faith is like. And notice what happens when he stood up and yelled. Jesus walking around. Now imagine he's got the crowd all around him, hundreds of people babbling, and he says, Stop! I hear someone calling out. Well, who's that? Who's that? Where? I hear someone calling out. Find him. Find that man that's calling out and standing out from the crowd. Find him. Now notice what the crowd do. Oh, well, aren't you blessed? He's calling for your name. 
He wants you to have a personal interview with him. Some people don't understand why others have personal interviews with Jesus. They're in the crowd. But see, faith, I won't be stopped. I won't be stopped. My dream is alive. I know I can't see it out there, but it's inside me. And I've as good as got it. It's inside me. I have dreamt about this day. I've dreamt about this time. I've dreamt about Jesus doing this. And he's here now. Oh, you're not going to stop me. It's the kind of spirit he had on the inside. That is what faith looks like, one aspect of it. Faith stops Jesus. Now, so Jesus stops right there in his tracks. Find the man. Bring him to me. So the disciples fan out in the crowd. Where's the guy that's yelling? He's still yelling. He's still yelling. The crowd say, yeah, that's the guy. We're trying to shut him up. He won't shut up. He won't shut up. Said, bring that man to me. And it brings him in. Now, notice what the man did. So the crowd says, the crowd that were telling him to shut up now saying, oh, well, aren't you, aren't you blessed, aren't you? Look, even Jesus wants to have an appointment with you. Fantastic. How'd that happen? And, and it says this, he said, so he said, rise up. He's calling your name. When you continue to persevere with your dream, with your prayer, with your calling out to God, he calls your name. He speaks to you. And he wants to have a meeting with you. And notice what he did. Now, I want you to see this. I want you to see this clearly. Because before Jesus ever prayed for him, in fact, actually, Jesus never prayed for him. Before he received his miracle, he already saw. I want you to see what he did. It said, he arose. He cast off the beggar's garment and arose. He threw it off. He wrapped it up, threw it off, and this is what he's saying. I will never need that beggar's garment ever again. It was my life before. It's no part of my future. I know before a few minutes are out, I'm seeing. And if I'm seeing, I don't need a beggar's garment. The beggar's garment was an official cloak that enabled him to operate as a beggar. It was his license to beg. It was his source of provision. It was his security. And I guess he would wrap it around himself because it covered his hurts and the abuse and the pain that he'd had in his life. It also represented his limitations. He was limited. He, he was limited. He was restricted. So the biggest garment is the thing that limited him. The biggest garment was his source of income. The biggest garment was his lifestyle. The biggest garment was the hurts and pains and griefs and sorrows of the past. All of it were wrapped up in that biggest garment. The whole lot. And he cast it aside. Why did he cast it aside? If that's his only source of income, if he needs that beggar's garment to be officially recognized to beg, casting it aside, man, I'll never need it again. I'm about to be here. I've got healing in my heart. I know I'm healed. I'll never need that again. I'm rising up. I'm throwing that thing off my life. I'm getting out of here. I'm saying no more to limitations. No more to sitting in darkness. No more to depending on people. No more to being hurt and locked up in pain and judgments and opinions of people. No more. I'm throwing it off and I'm coming out. I'm coming to Jesus for a miracle. Come on, that's what's going on inside of him. Beggar's lifestyle, the limitation, the hurts, false security. Got rid of it all. What do you need to throw off in order to come near to God to get a miracle, to get a breaking through, to get something you've been dreaming about? 
See, people have dreams. They don't see. You've actually got to let go of the things that hinder the dream coming about. So he threw it off and he rose up. He picked himself up and he said, I'm not staying here. And there's a lot of people in this church that need to pick ourselves up. I'm not staying locked into where I'm living in my life now. I'm throwing off things I need to throw off because I have a dream. My life is about to change. My life is about to expand in its possibilities. My life is about to open up to new things. My life is about to have the blessing and favor of God. And he rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus asked the crazy thing, what do you want? What do you want? Well, he had no beggar's garment on. He let go of all the things. There's nothing to identify. He's a blind man. Except maybe eyes rolled up. You know. <laughs> what do you want? What do you want? He's asking him to declare his vision. He's calling him to say what he's had in his heart that caused that crying out. He's calling him to speak out to the crowd what it is he's got going on in his heart. He speaks faith. He said, Lord, my sight. Now you notice, there was faith and the spirit of faith in his heart. And all it took was the meeting with Jesus and a word. Immediately, according to your faith, it's done. And immediately he saw, and he did what he'd always wanted to do. Follow Jesus and walk in a life connected to God of blessing, fulfillment, and of destiny. And I'm sure that that blind man, you know, followed Jesus. He would have followed him. No doubt he was in the crowd of 120 in the upper room when the Holy Ghost fell. No doubt he was one of the people got filled with the Holy Ghost. No doubt he was one of those who went out and shared the gospel. No doubt his life was completely different. Notice what Jesus said. It's not my anointing got you healed. It's not my prayer got you healed. See, so often we're looking for someone's anointing. We're looking for someone's prayers. He said, it was none of that that got you healed. It was your faith has made you whole. What you truly believe in your heart, you'll dream about, you'll meditate on, you'll hold it in your heart, you'll speak it out, and you'll cast off the things that are part of an old life. Sometimes between having the dream and coming into vision and into fulfillment, there's things to cast off. 